0: Uh John 316. We started a series last week on the love of God. And uh, and man, it's been a, uh, it's been an interesting week to say the least. I if you're friends with me on Facebook, you've probably noticed that uh every every day I've been putting uh I've found all kinds of different pictures that just says God loves me and I put those out there and uh you know got some interesting feedback from some of that. Had one had one person tell me that they thought I was arrogant for saying that. Uh, had somebody else tell me I shouldn't be I shouldn't be bragging about you know about things like that. That God loves everybody; He doesn't just love you just by yourself. And I'm thinking I'm thinking okay, I'm on the right track because people need to get a revelation that God's love is individual; it's not just corporate. And see, that's the problem. And and that you know most of the time when we teach and I've been guilty of this too. To be honest with you, most of the time when we teach on the love of God, we teach it from an aspect of that God's love is in us, and that we need to, uh, you know, we need to show God's love to other people, and that is true, and that's, I mean, that is a truth. But but here's but here's where I want you to here's the goal of this series in the next few weeks, is this last week in the next few weeks, is this is that I want you to know. And I want you to be able to say with confidence, and I want you to be able to say it loudly and boldly, and many times a day, Amen. Many times a day, I want you to be able to look people in the look people in the in the eyes and look at them and, and boldly declare, "God loves me, God loves me." You know now. Now, John three sixteen. We, I mean, we all know this is probably the most well known scripture that. That that's in the Bible. Everybody is probably one of the first that you learn, uh, if you if you're raised in church, and you know. And we know that the Bible says, "For God so loved the world." And we understand, uh, you know, we have an understanding that God loves everybody, right? I mean, it's not that God that God has excluded anybody, but there's very few people, I believe, or a small number of people, that have the revelation. A deep revelation of the fact that God loves me, yeah, I know God loves everybody, but I don't really think that I don't really think that He loves me very well, you know, in other words we because because we we have this perception that we you know there's a couple different and and we'll hit some of these, and maybe one or two of them even today, we have this perception that as long as we're doing good. God loves me. But as soon as I mess up, as soon as I as soon as I miss the mark, as soon as I say something I shouldn't say, or as soon as, you know, I, I don't read my Bible as much as I should, we have this feeling like, uh oh, God doesn't love me anymore. You know, He He changed his love toward me because of my actions. Well, hopefully this morning I'm going to I'm gonna put that I'm gonna knock that sacred cow off the cliff. And knock that crutch out from underneath you. I want, I want to show you this morning. And, and you know, last week we asked the question, as we started this series, we asked the question, how do I know that God loves me? How do I know? And we we saw Scripture, uh, John 3, 16 and 17, and then we went to Romans 8. We looked at 1 John 3. Uh, and we saw Scripture that told us that one way, and it's, on, it's only one way, I mean, but there's many, many other ways you could say this. But we we... You know, uh, hit the mark or hit the hit the this one way last week is that we know that God loves us because He did not withhold His Son from us. Romans eight thirty two. That you know the the Romans eight thirty two says that He who did not spare His own Son but delivered Him for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? And of course, that was relating back uh, to the story. We went back to the story of Abraham. When, when God told Abraham, when Jesus came, and or, or God told him to give up Isaac and to offer Isaac, and he took him up on the mountain and was going to sacrifice him, and, and, then, and then the angel came down and said, Abraham, Abraham, don't touch him, for I know, I know now that you love me or you fear me, as the King James says, I know that you fear me because you, you have not withheld your son from me so so the, so and and i believe that was jesus that came down and talked to abraham that day but abraham basically told him he said he said how do i know abraham that you love me because you didn't withhold the very thing that you love the most and then you fast forward to what god did with jesus and paul relates that back in romans 8 he says he says you know we know that god loves us because he didn't spare his own son and we know that he we he, he went all the way with that right and jesus died on the cross and 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 God offered him, and Jesus came willingly, and and so we know that God loves us. So today, I want to I want to kind of I want to kind of bring down this go down this road of of the fact that uh, maybe even ask the question, how can I love God? Well, the only way we can love Him, and the only way that we can give Him love back, is to first have the revelation that He first loved me. And I, and we're, we'll see that we're gonna. Uh, we're going to look at the fact that God loved me first, Amen. So let's let's just say just say that say God loves, me. God loves me. Now you're gonna I want to, I want to ask you to say that a bunch of times because you we have to get that revelation that God loves me, Amen. He loves me. Y'all don't seem too excited about that. Is that Amen. I mean? But that's that's good news that He loves me. Thank God that He loves. I thank God that He loves you. But you know what? I'm super excited that he loves me. You know, if he if he only loved you and he didn't love me, then man I would I would feel left out. But the great news is is he loves all of us. But I have to understand, I have to get this revelation that God loves me. You know, Hebrews tells us this. He says he it says this that that um uh, that if you're going to receive anything from God, you have to believe two things. You have to believe that God is and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Now, what does that mean? First of all, you have to believe that God will has whatever you need, right? And the second part of that is this. You have to believe, yeah, I believe God's got it. I believe that God, I believe that God loves me, or that God is love, I should say. I believe that God is love. But, you know, the second part of receiving everything that God has for me is this. I have to believe that He loves me that He will reward me for diligently seeking Him. I've got to believe that He is and that He is a rewarder. I've got to believe that, that He has what I need and that He's willing to give me what I need. Amen. Alright, well maybe I'll get you excited about it before the day is over. Amen. John 3.16, let's look at this. I'm, I'm just playing with you I know. you got to wake up, you got to shake yourself a little bit. John 3.16 and 17. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Man, what a, what a scripture. For God so loved the world. He, he didn't just say God loved the world. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave. The first thing that he did because, because he loves the world, loved the world was he gave his son. Then in verse 17, and we talked about this last week as well. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We know this condemnation does not come from God. You know the scripture tells us there's now no condemnation to those that believe in Christ Jesus. Amen. So condemnation, he says, God did not Jesus did not God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. Now we looked at, I think I believe we looked at this scripture last week but I want to go into it a little bit deeper this morning. Let's turn over to 1 John chapter 4. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 4. I want us to to examine this from the standpoint of of you know how is it that that uh, how is it that I can love God because the reality of it and we'll see this today The reality of it is this. You will not be able to truly love somebody until you understand how much God loved you and loves you. The only way that you can give love is to understand that God is love. Without God, it's impossible impossible to truly love someone without getting the revelation that God loves me. Let me... uh, well, let's read, let's read this and then we'll, we'll talk about this. Let's look at 1 John chapter 4. And we'll just start in verse number 7. 1 John 4, 7. I'm, just, I'm, I'm asking the Lord here how to do this because I want to make sure I get this across. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. 1 John 4, 7. It says this. Beloved. Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now, you know, very simple. It's a very simple concept. Read those two verses again. Let's look at that again. He says, Beloved. Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now this goes back, this is the way, these two verses, verse 7 and 8, is how normally when we talk about the love of God, this is how this is taught. that, That God is love, and since God is love, you and I are to love one another. And that's a true statement. You know, but but unfortunately, if we don't understand if we don't understand how God loves us, then we won't we won't know how to love each other. You know one of the one of the first scriptures God gave us when we when we were uh, when we were talking about when we were when we started the church and when we got started first started the church was the scripture in John where where he says, "By this all men will know that you're my disciples." That you have love one for another. And he was talking to the church. He said, the way that the church will know that you're my disciples is when you love one another. When the church, when when Christians can show that they love one another, then the world will take notice. The problem for way too long is all the world sees is the church is splitting and going going, you know, going fifteen different directions and and the church not being able to get along the church can't get along with itself much less with people that don't agree with them <laughs> and so so when he says so when he says this he said that you and I have to understand that we have to know how 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 God loves us before we're going to be able to love other people right and so here he says you know that if you that he says let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not know love does not know God, for God is love. But now look at verse number 9. So that, that is verse 7 and 8 it's talking about our love one for another. We need to love one another because God is love. He loved us. He is in us. He loves us. So therefore, we are we're supposed to love one another. Then in verse number 9, he says this. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. That God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is another way to, to say exactly what John 3.16 said. Listen to it again. He says, In this, the love of God was manifested. Or in other words, we could say it this way. That, that's kind of... Sometimes, you know, the King James, we don't necessarily understand uh, that language as much. But we could say it like this. This is how God showed His love for us. How did God show His love? How was it manifested? Or what did God do to show us that He loved us? He says this, In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent His His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Here, John tells us this, the Apostle John tells us this. He says, he says this is how God manifested or, or demonstrated His love toward us. He gave His Son so that you and I could live through Him. That's how God loved us, or showed His love to us. He showed His love to us through the fact that He gave Jesus so that we might live through Him. And then look at verse number 10. He says this, in this is love. He said, he said this, is, this is true love right here. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins or the sacrifice or the, the, the substitution. That word propitiation just means that, that Jesus became sin so that we didn't have to pay the penalty for sin. Jesus paid the penalty so you and I didn't have to. So in this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the sacrifice or the substitute for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. So here He goes back. He says, when you understand that God first loved you, then you can love somebody else. But now, let's let's look at this and, and understand what He's trying to get across to us. He's trying to show us here, as a matter of fact, uh In verse number nine, it says, "In this was the love of God manifested toward us that God sent his only begotten Son. You know when did God send his son when when we were good enough when we when we did enough or when we when we acted right? is that when God sent jesus no romans five eight tells us, hold your place here and, and or we'll put it up on the screen but but you can just turn there and just look up on the screen real quick romans five eight says this it says, but God demonstrates His own love toward us. Here that, word, that wording is again, that this is how God demonstrated His love toward us or showed His love for us. This is how God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, so we have to understand this. Our actions, your actions... You being good enough, your performance, you doing and saying and being the right thing has nothing to do with God loving you. It has zero. Zilch. In the world, in the the natural, most people um, equate love or they equate somebody loves them when they're doing what pleases them. How many times have... You know, we hear this and we talk about this as to our teenagers a lot, and, and you hear, and, you know, you hear, uh, boyfriend and girlfriend and things like that. They'll say things like, they'll say things like, you know, well, if you love me, you'll have sex with me. You know, if you love me, you'll do this for me. Well, guess what? That is the furthest thing from love that there is. You're at, if you have to do something to get somebody to love you, that is not love. That's control. Love does not. Love is not. Uh, how do we say that? Love is not uh, controlled or shown simply because of your actions. This is how God demonstrated He loved us when we were yet sinners at our worst think of think of your very worst day the worst day you've ever had in your life god still loved you god loved you from the moment from the from before you were born till after after your body no longer exists on this earth god's love never changes toward you We'll see a Scripture in just a moment. I'm getting ahead of myself, but we'll see a Scripture in a moment that said while you were enemies with God, He still loved you. And then He tells us, we, we saw that Scripture that says that, that, that the way God demonstrates His love toward us is how you and I should love one another. So what does that tell us? I should not base my love for, for you, for my wife, for my kids... I should not base my my love for anybody on whether they perform up to my beliefs or not. You know, we have to understand that see and this is this is where this is where we've missed it and this is where we we start looking to God we start looking at our love, our thoughts. We start thinking that God will only love us like we love somebody else. We we start thinking, okay, well, as long as my wife cooks me dinner, washes my clothes, uh, treats me like she's supposed to treat me, well, then she loves me. But the moment I come, the day I come home, and and she's had a rough day, and cook and supper written on the table, and and the clothes aren't washed, and and, you know, the the house is a mess and all this stuff. All of a sudden, my wife doesn't love me no more. Well, guess what? That, that is messed up. Amen. Amen. Performance has nothing to do with love. Amen. Alright. I'm going to have to dig, dig a little bit here. <clears throat> and see, so what happens is this. When I start seeing love this way, based on performance, then I translate this kind of love to that kind of love. And I start thinking, well, since, since I have to believe that if, if my kids or my wife or my friends, if they're, not, if they're not loving me and they're not performing and I don't think they love me, well, then surely I have to perform so that God will love me because that's the way I receive love so I have to believe so I start believing that the only way God loves me is when I perform and do what he wants me to do that's the reason that people will people will say things like I've heard I mean I've heard this for years I heard it all growing up in in the church I grew up in well boy if you don't pay your tithes you know God God'll get his tithes one way or the other you know if you don't tithe God'll break your washing machine He'll show you, he'll make you pay your tithes to the, to the appliance repair person. How messed up is that? Boy, if you don't, if you don't love God, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll put you in a car wreck just to teach you so that you'll love God. He'll break your arm and make you love, man, he'll make you love him. How many of you have broke your kid's arm so that they'll love you? Better not raise your hand because you'll get arrested. Amen, you would what's that called? That's called abuse, but yet we we think we think that that's the way God loves us. All right, I'm meddling here but but how many of us have heard this? God'll send you to hell if you don't love him we we have boy, we have messed this love thing up. We've messed it up. Now, is it true that people that reject God and people that, that refuse to receive the gift that God gives him, you realize, you realize there's, only, there's only one sin that will send you to hell. There's only one thing that will send you, send you and separate you from God. And guess what? It's not drugs. It's not sex. It's not murder. It's not any of the big ones. That we call big ones, you know what it is. You just simply saying, nope, God, I don't, I don't believe what you've done for me. I don't receive it, man. I'm telling you. And then yet we, we have, we have scared. We've literally. I mean, listen. Growing up, man, they would. I, I remember preachers, boy, they could preach hell hot and heaven sweet. And, and now I look at that and I, I realize what they're, what they're doing and, and you've heard this this language before, but I've heard people I mean they were good they were people very good at, at scaring the hell out of you. Or we could say it better, I guess maybe trying to scare you out of hell. But you know what if, if you got scared and you and you received Jesus out of fear, then you know what's going to happen? You're going to fear God. And not in a good fear. Not not in a reverence type of fear. You're going to be afraid of Him. You're going to be afraid every time you miss the mark that He's going to send you to hell. That's not love. Well, Pastor, I don't know about that. Well, Alright, let's look right here. Let me show you. Look it down at verse 16. Y'all enjoying this? See, we listen, guys... My heart in this is that I want us to get a revelation of the love of God. I want you to know, truly, how much God loves you. Because if you, if you don't get the revelation of how much God loves you, nothing else in the Christian life will work. Because you'll, you'll go to performance, you'll go to, uh, to works, you'll go to everything else trying to get approval from God, when when all it really took to get approval from God is to get a revelation of how much he loved you. Look at verse 16. 1 John 4, 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Now stop right there for a second. We have known and believed it. It's one thing to know. See, this and this this I think is where we've missed it as as the body of Christ as a whole. We all know. We all know, and, and we every one of us will say. Every person that's ever believed in God will say, "God loves everybody. God loves the world. For God so loves the world." John John three sixteen. But when it comes down to saying with confidence, <clears throat> excuse me, when it comes down to saying with confidence that God loves me personally, people have a hard time saying that. People have a hard time receiving that. Why? because of our messed up view on love. But we we want to get to the place where I can say, listen, I want to be to the place where I can say, even if I miss the mark, even when, even when I mess up and I don't do the right thing, I don't read my Bible enough, or I look at something, or I do something, or, or me and my wife get in a, a heated disagreement, or whatever you want to call it, I want to be able to say right in the middle of that, God still loves me. Now, it's not right. I mean, I shouldn't be doing those things. But I still, even, even when I miss the mark, I want to have the, enough confidence in His love for me that I can say, God still loves me. And you see, because when I have that much confidence and when I have that revelation, when I realize that God loves me, then all of a sudden those, those areas that I'm missing the mark, I realize that's not who God wants to be to me. That's not what I need to be. If God loves me, even in the middle of this then I need to realize I need to be more like Him. Because He loves me, it teaches me and shows me how I'm supposed to love others. So He says, so so we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. He He said that again. He said it up in the other Scriptures we just read, but He said it again. He says, he says, we've known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Now listen to verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this. Now don't get hung up on the word perfected. It just means love becomes mature. Love becomes full grown. In other words, you know, um, it, takes, it takes maturity To love people the way God loves us. It takes a lot of maturity. When you see people with a quick temper and you see people that, that, you know, somebody looks at them wrong and they get offended at them, I can guarantee you this, they're not very mature in in the things of God. A tree is known by its fruit. And somebody that gets offended easily, somebody that, 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 you know, gets mad at people all the time, you can guarantee, I can guarantee you they are not very mature in the things of God because if they were, if they were if they were I mean, what we're getting ready to see here, what he's saying, what he's saying is this He said, Love has been has grown to maturity or been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Now think about that. When we have a revelation of love, we can have boldness in the day, and what's he talking about in the day of judgment? We could just, just simply say it like this. When we stand before God, we can have boldness because love has become mature in us. Now, how, why? How, I mean, what's that got to do with anything? Look at, look at the rest of that verse. Because as He is, so are we in this world. Now, let me ask you this. How's Jesus today? He's not offended. He's not broke. He's not sick. (laughs) As He is, you and I should be. Why? How? Because we get a revelation of how much God loves us. God loved us enough to give us Jesus. Jesus loved us enough to come willingly to show us the true picture of the Father So that we no longer have a, B.J. talked about it, you know, earlier, so we no longer have a misconception or or that we misrepresent who God is. Jesus came as the perfect picture of who the Father is. And when we see Him through Jesus, the way Jesus represented Him, and when we see Him that way, then we become just like He is. Man. But verse 18 was where I was wanting to get with this. Listen to this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts, fear, casts out fear. Because, now listen, this is so important, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, let's look at that from the Amplified, and, and, then, and then we're going to talk about this. Look at it from the Amplified. Listen to this. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But full-grown, complete, perfect, or we could say mature or full-grown and complete, I mean, that's, that's good language. But full-grown, complete, perfect, mature love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so, he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love, is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. Now, let's break that Scripture down here. Let's get this to where we can understand this. God loves me. God loves me. I get this revelation that God loves me, and it does a couple things for me. Well, first of all, I I, I, I guess I even have to back up further than that. I have to understand what love is. Because if, if if I think God loves me the way I understand love on a natural level, then my conception of God is going to be messed up. Like I said, if, if I believe that just when my wife is doing everything I want her to do, or my, my boys are doing everything I want them to do, or my friends are treating me the way I want them to treat me, and I think that's love, and then I turn that to God... And I say, okay, God, as long as you're being good to me, I know you love me. But what about when my car breaks down and I don't have the money in the bank? Oh man. What did I do wrong? God must not love me. He's not He's not taking care of me. What do I what happens when when you start you start feeling sick and you have and, and you know a, a sickness comes on you? Oh well, I wonder what I did wrong because you know, if God loved me, he wouldn't let me get sick. See, that's the wrong perception. It's the wrong question. It's not like, God, why did you let this happen to me? Because, see, when you ask God, why did you let this happen to me? What you're saying, really, the question you're asking is this. God, why don't you love me? If you loved me, you wouldn't let that happen to me. This verse says this. Now, check this out. Check this out. Here's what perfect love does. When when your love is not mature, when you don't understand what love does, he says this. Now look look at this scripture again. He says he says that um, love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment, and he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love. So so when you when you fear that God is going to do something to you. Because of your performance, then all of a sudden you—I mean, you can, I can guarantee you—you you don't understand the way God loves you. Because what what fear does? Fear does this. Fear will say this. Well, if I don't do everything that God wants me to do, He's not going to love me anymore. And if He doesn't love me anymore, then I'm going to get sick. I'm going to have. I'm going to get. I'm going to be broke. I'm going to have all these problems, and nobody's going to like me. All because God all of a sudden doesn't love me because my performance is not meeting up. But when you understand that God loves you, and when you understand that God is love and He loved you first, the only way, and actually, verse 19, we didn't read that, but, but verse 19 says, we love Him because He first loved us. So when we understand that He first loved us, and that's the only way that love comes, then, then we understand this. It takes fear out of the picture because when we understand the God kind of love, we understand that that regardless of my actions, God still loves me. If I get sick, guess what? God loves me. God didn't put sickness on me. If 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 all of a sudden I have unpaid bills and I can't I don't have the money in the bank account, guess what? God loves me. He didn't He didn't break my washing machine or or break my car down to teach me a lesson. You know what it's called? It's called life. It's called having an old car. It's called this body, this body, the Bible says, this body is wasting away day by day, but our inner man is renewed. Now, we don't have to live in sickness. I don't believe that a bit. I believe that the more, we, the more intimate we get with God, the more close we get with God, we understand who He is and what He's done for us. I believe, I believe that sickness cannot touch these bodies. Listen, what Jesus did on the cross, it took care of everything that you and I will ever face. The question is, are we going to believe it? Let's go back to this. Okay. Fear. He says. He said. He said here in verse nineteen. He said, "There's no fear in love. Dread does not exist." So, so when we when we start fearing, or when we start thinking about punishment, or we start thinking that God's going to get me because of something I did, then all of a sudden we we have to realize we have to realize that we no longer have the right perception of our Father. People talk about. Uh, People talk a lot about judgment and God's judging this and that because of the, the hurricanes and the wildfires and, and things. Listen, I want to tell you, if that's God's judgment, He's not doing a very good job. Because He's doing it in like select areas and, and even everybody in those areas are not getting judged. It's just like He's picking one or two people out and, and hurting them and nobody else. That's crazy to think that that's God's judgment. Because the Bible tells us very plainly that He poured His judgment out on Jesus on the cross. The punishment for our sin, the, pun- or the judgment, condemnation, everything He poured out on Jesus on the cross. So if I fear condemnation, if I fear judgment, it's because I don't understand how much God loves me. And He says, He goes on to say this, He said that, that because perfect love or mature love casts fear out, because fear involves judgment. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. So, so we have to understand... Now, I'm hoping that you can see why it's so important for us to get a correct revelation of how much God loves us. Because if we, if we have this revelation, if we have a thought about God loving us, and about, or if, we, if we have this thought about God punishing us and God getting back at us because we did something wrong then we don't understand the true love of God. And if we don't understand the true love of God, then you know what? I'm not going to treat you right when you do something wrong to me. I've told people all the time, you, you can't love with the love of God in the flesh. It's a spiritual thing. Because you know what? My flesh, if you say something about me, if you, if you do something to me, my flesh wants to reach out and touch you. He wants to reach out and have the ministry and lay it on the hands. But in the wrong way. <laughs> Amen. So, but I can't love you in the flesh. I have to love you through the Spirit. You see, because God, and see, this all goes back. I mean, this is changing the whole subject, but because God is the Spirit, and you and I are created after Him in His likeness, so you and I are spirit beings. So the love of God is on the inside of us. It's a spiritual love. And you and I have to learn how to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. So therefore, the love of God is a spiritual concept that you and I have to learn how to, how to take that spiritual concept and walk it out in the natural. And if you try to do it in the flesh, you're going to, you're going to be miserable. And you're not, going to be, you're not going to be very successful at doing it. Because God is a spirit, and we have to understand that above everything, you and I have to have to learn how to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. So the love of God does not come with condemnation or with, with fear, but it comes it comes understanding that he, that, that it's, not, it's not about how much I love God, it's about how much He loves me. Oh man, I feel like I butchered that. Turn to Ephesians 2. <laughs> I don't know whether I got that out good or not. But anyway, we'll we'll come back. We'll come back to that in a minute. Ephesians chapter 2, verses starting with verse 4. I tell you, this subject of God's love for us, I mean, I, I I don't know that I've ever I don't know that I've ever been taught it like this, and I know I haven't ever taught it like this. It's when I usually teach on the love of God, it's always about just loving other people with the love of God. But what I what I want you to see today and, and in the next couple of weeks is just exactly how much God loves you. Because if you don't get that revelation of how much God loves you, you will never be able to love other people right. So that that's that's you know, keep that thought in mind, how much God loves me. Look at uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love wherewith he loved us. So here uh, Paul said Paul didn't say just the love that God has toward us. Paul said it was a great love. He says, with the great love. Um, the Amplified actually says, because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us, is so great and so intense that God had to do something. He loved us so much that that He had to do something to satisfy that love. What did He do? Look at verse 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So see, it goes back to it's not your performance, it's by His grace that you're saved. He loved you so much that while while you were dead, He quickened you to be alive through what Jesus did on the cross. He included you on the cross. He included you in what Christ did so that He could bring us back to life in Him. That's how much He loved us. And He goes on to say this, "...and He raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus." Man, what a wonderful Scripture. That that He loved us so much that He raised us up together and He made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. But now look at verse 7. That in the ages... Notice that word is plural. He didn't just say that in this age, but He said so that in the ages to come that He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness Toward us in Christ Jesus, you know what? You know what that says? You know what that means? Here's what that means. That means that in the ages to come, I'm, talk, I'm not talking about just in the in the days to come. I'm talking about ten thousand years from now. He is going to be showing his exceeding greatness through how much he loved us through his grace. Because remember, now look at look look at verse four says that. That God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love, wherewith He loved us, He saved us by grace. And then verse 7 says, in the ages to come that He would show the exceeding riches of His grace toward us in Christ Jesus. So in the ages to come, I'm talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of years from now. BJ, I think you even mentioned that this morning. You were talking about that. That that in the ages and ages to come... We're, we're going to be astounded to find out how much God loves us. Every day we're going to, we're going to be saying, Wow! He, he loved us that much? Wow! Tomorrow we're going to say, Wow! He loved us that much? That, that was His love toward me? Wow! In the ages to come, He's going to show the exceeding great riches of His grace in His kindness toward us. 1 John three. Let's turn back to 1 John and we'll finish with this. 1 John 3 1. Now come on, man. This, this, is, this is shouting ground, man. I mean, when we get when we get a revelation, I, I don't feel like I've got this over good today, but but I'm I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help us help help you get the revelation. 1 John 3, verse 1. Listen to this. 1 John 3 1. Behold. That word behold. Anytime you see that. It means take, take, take notice. Behold, something He's getting ready to tell you something big. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Look at what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. What, what, you know, what, I mean, what's He saying? I mean, look at what manner of love. What kind of love is it? Look at the rest of the verse. That we, that you and I should be called children of, of God the King James says sons of God His love was so great that he called you and me his kids Behold what banner of love that he has bestowed on us that he has called me a son of God Whew. Hallelujah Therefore now listen therefore the world does not know us Because it did not know Him. (laughs) The Amplified puts it this way. See what an incredible quality of love the Father has given, shown, and bestowed on us that we should be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God. And so we are. God loves me, and He calls me His kid. He calls me His son. You me give you another Scripture that will blow you away? We'll look at this next week, but I'll just tease you with this. The Scripture tells us this, that God loves you as much as He loves Jesus. That's pretty awesome. You see, God loved me enough and He loves me enough that He gave His most prized possession knowing, knowing that, that if I, when I received and I believed on that possession, on Jesus, on His Son, when I believed on His Son, that love would bestow upon me the right and the privilege of not only just saying that God loves me, but now I can say Jesus is my brother. He's my Savior, but He's my brother too. Because John tells us here that 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 love bestows upon you and I the privilege to be called sons of God. Sons and daughters. It's all inclusive. It's not just a, a masculine phrase. It's both masculine and feminine. Amen? It's the sons and daughters of God. I mean, man, that's that's good news. That is an incredible love. And see, and here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. And here's what I want you to hear today. And I don't know. I mean, hopefully you get this. We, for so long, we have this concept of um, that I've got to perform. I've got to, you know, do everything so that God will show His love to me and so that God will love me. But time and again, we saw three different times today that through those Scriptures where it says that, that it's not that we love Him, but it's that He loves us. You see, you don't have to love Him in order for you for Him to love you back. He loved us, actually is right, right, right reverse of that. He loved us so that we can know how to love Him. And when we understand how much He loves us, and that we can love Him, then we can understand how to love each other. I have to go. I have to explain that a little bit more next week. But let, let me let me pray for you. Let me pray for you, Father. Um, Father, my prayer today is just simply that. Uh, Holy Spirit, that you, that you would work on the inside of every one of us to get the revelation, to get a deeper revelation, a deeper understanding. Now, there's so many Scriptures that talk about how much You love us. Help each one of us, Father, get an understanding and a revelation that, that God loves me Personally. Help me understand and see and know, Father, that You love me. Thank You for that, Father. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray You would just reveal, open up our, open up our hearts and our, uh, our understanding to where, Lord, that we can get that revelation this morning. That it's not about our performance, but it's about simply believing that You love us. <laughs> And when we understand how much you love us, then it will help us love other people that way. You loved us so much that even while we were enemies, even when we were dead in our sin and trespasses, even when we were at the worst place of our life, you loved us. And you loved us enough to call us sons of God, children of God wow thank you for that father thank you for the revelation Lord I'm hungry for that I, I I desire more revelation father so that we can articulate that and we can we can be better representatives of your love for other for for your love for us so that we can love other people that way so thank you for that father thank you for that father hallelujah In Jesus' name. Let's say this before we go. And I encourage you, man. Keep saying it. Say it every day. Pray and ask God. When you say it, if you don't fully understand it, ask God to give you more revelation on it. But but say many times a day. First thing when you wake up in the morning. Last thing when you go to bed at night. Say, God loves me. So let's all just say that together. God loves me. God loves you too, but God loves me is the revelation you need to get. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because see, when you get that revelation that God loves me, then you can help other people understand how much God loves them. But it, it won't be, you can't help other people if you don't have it yourself. So say it many, many times. And if you don't, and pray and say, Lord, help me get that revelation of how much you love me. Amen? Amen. Well, listen, I pray you have a great week. Yes, you got something? No, you're good. Well,
1: I'm not sorry. <laughs> um, so there was a moment at the end of worship where you couldn't move, mm. and um, and I know why. Some, if you don't want to raise your hand, you don't have to. Somebody in here knows what I'm talking about, and I couldn't have went home today unless left, hanging. So in my spirit, he kept hanging it on, and I and I just felt somebody battling, and I have seeing you, like, talking your spirit, you was getting some kind of revelation, you was getting some freedom, mm-hmm. and you really didn't want him to end either, mm-hmm. you was battling with something, I mean, literally, I could see your shoulders turning, I could see you wanting to give in, and, you know, I don't know if this should be called an altar call or what, but this is my invitation, or this is my opportunity to remind you that if you was on the verge of breakthrough. Like I seen your chains, like there was like so many just wrapped around yeah. them. And I mean, I seen like I seen them falling off your shoulders all Some the way else. down to your heels, and, and we were getting to your knees, and and then we and then we left that moment. So just want to encourage you that if you was here at end of worship, and that was you fighting and chains. I was fighting with you. The Lord showed my spirit, and I was fighting with you. And I'm here right now. I'll continue fighting until the rest of the chains fall off with you. Yeah. Whatever that looks like, whatever you need, when we walk out the door, it's not going to stop. But that feeling of relief, I know that it felt good. I know that you want to continue feeling that. I can't say I can help you do that, but I know that my I know that the pastor, I know that there's people in here that can help you pray and that if you really want to leave here today and you want all of them chains to be broken off, and you do not want to feel the way you were filling at the end worship, you can get that right now. Yes. You do not have to leave here Amen. with that bondage, with them chains, because if you leave and you fall to get them halfway down you and you were shaking mm. them off, the minute you walk out that door and you don't take the disinvitation, now I know I'm being bold, and, but I ask the Lord to do a new thing, so I'm just going ahead and doing it. Mm-hmm. If you walk out that door... And change that you thought to get off of you this morning will start wrapping back up like a wild vine, and it will choke you even tighter. You go yep. to sleep tonight. <clears throat> I don't know if that's a fit. I'm not threatening you, I'm just saying that's how <laughs> ugly that spirit can yeah. be if you acknowledge that it was there. You let God take it off of you, and you won't give it all to Him. Just take it all off. Amen. Anybody want me to pray with them before they leave today?
0: Amen. And listen, there's nothing to be ashamed. There's nothing. Yeah. Kia, come on, come on down. Yeah, I mean, that's nothing to be ashamed about. Listen, we all, man, we all, you know, fight those things. And I mean, every one of us has got our chains that we fight every day. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's nothing to be ashamed about, man. I mean, but that when when the Holy Spirit gives revelation like that, if that's you, man, I can take advantage of it. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So, amen.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Father.
0: Thank you, Father.
1: Father, take, break those chains off. Take it, yeah. Just tell him to take it. Tell him you don't Jesus. It. So surrender. Yes. If anybody yes, else to been here, you just to take Thank it. you, Lord.
0: Thoughts, the, 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 Let's all just stand up just for a moment and just just pray into this. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord.
1: Yes, we surrender this morning, Lord. Thank you, Father.
0: Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory, glory, glory.
1: Hallelujah. in this <laughs> The
0: joy of the Lord. Thank you, Father.
1: Thank you, Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank, you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Freedom. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.
0: Now listen, if you're if you're out there in the congregation and and you want freedom, man, just press into it right now. Just lift your hands and just receive it right where you are. Thank you, Father, for freedom this morning.
1: Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's lift our hands and just rejoice. Just thank you, Lord. Let's praise Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for freedom this morning, Lord. Thank you for freedom. Thank you, Father, for, for the freedom of those that are up front. Thank you for the freedom of everybody in this place. Jesus that's how much you loved us God that's how much you loved us you loved us enough to bring freedom in our lives (laughs) thank you for freedom this morning Lord hallelujah so Lord we receive that right now we receive that right now in Jesus name hallelujah thank you Lord
1: hallelujah
0: hallelujah thank you Lord Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So here's what we're going to do. Jay, put some uh, put a put a song on, something a, a good rejoicing song. And here's what we're going to do. If you if if you can stay up here as long as you need to, and if you need freedom, you can stay and just rejoice. And then we're going to dismiss everybody else. If you need to go, we're going to dismiss you. But if you want to if you want to stay up and worship and just and just receive that freedom, then by all means do that. And, uh, and, and then we're just going to say for, the, for everybody else, we'll dismiss everyone. Remember, the youth are doing the, uh, the play today. Uh, I think Stacy will probably have the food ready here in a minute. We're eating back in the gym, but, but uh, so the youth can make their way back there. And then uh, they'll be through about 1.30 or so for the parents. Tonight at 5, uh, the youth have the guest minister, Jason Clark. Be here if you can. It's going to be an awesome time. Uh, encourage everybody to come back out, bring your friends, and uh, that's going to be incredible. And just go in the freedom, go in the freedom to know that God loves you. Amen. So, Jay turn...